Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. you to turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. I'm not going to really unpack all of that scripture again. Last week I read all of that passage of scripture and we just kind of camped out there a little bit last week and and, uh, unpacked Daniel chapter 2 verses 24 through 49. And we were talking about this dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had and how he was looking for someone to tell him what he his dream was and then to interpret the dream for him. Now, all of this is part of seeing the big picture. If you remember, we've been in this sermon series called Reclaiming Our Culture. And we talked about how we are to do that. By the way, today's my very last message uh, on this series. We're going to wrap it up. There's a whole lot more I probably could say, uh, maybe more I need to say. uh, But I feel like we're going to stop it today because we're we're six weeks away from Easter, and uh, I want to change gears a little bit, and and, uh, I'm meeting with uh, Pastor Paul and Pastor John tomorrow morning for breakfast, and and we're going to kind of rethink a little bit what we're going to do in preparation heading up to Easter. So I want to start a new sermon series next week about preparing, getting getting our hearts and our minds and our lives and what have you ready uh, for Easter Sunday. We're about six weeks out from that. So today's going to be the last message. On, on this series, Reclaiming Our Culture. But let's review the steps real quickly because I think these are very important. Whenever we think about reclaiming our culture, and I'll have them on the screen for you, step number one is our identity needs to be in the person of Jesus Christ. I think it's, there we go. Our identity is in Christ, okay? Now these are the steps. You need to write these down. You can go back and listen to the podcast. I preached messages on each one of these. Some of these steps, I took two Sundays uh, to unpack, but you can go back and you can hear all the teaching on these. But these are the five steps that I believe we must initiate in our life if we're going to move forward and start reclaiming our culture. Okay? Number one is our identity must be in Christ. In other words, our identity can't be in our careers. Our identity can't be in our families. I know sometimes dads, we get so consumed in our careers and that's all we think about is moving up the next rank or getting the the next stripe or getting the next promotion or, or getting a pay raise or finding the next job or the career. Listen, all that's well and good, but our identity cannot be in that. Moms, sometimes you make the mistake of putting your identity in your family. You think, I need to sacrifice and give everything for my family. Now, I'm not against that. You should be doing that and taking care of your family. But your identity should not be in your family alone. Can I get a witness? So guys are guilty of putting all their identity in their careers. Moms are guilty of putting all their identity in their kids. Okay? Now, I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying initially, the first thing, we've got to have our identity in the person of Jesus Christ. And then we can add to it these other things that I was just mentioning, okay? So our identity must be in the person of Jesus Christ. Secondly, all of our values, all of our principles, all of our convictions must be biblically based, okay? In other words, our perceptions We can't pass off to people. Maybe something we've been taught, been passed down 
to us from, from pastors or churches or parents or grandparents, and that's the conviction that we hold today or that's the preference that we hold today, we must make sure that all of our preferences, all of our doctrine, all of our convictions, okay, we must make sure they are biblically based. Right? Listen, I've been in ministry long enough to know there's a lot of, a lot of convictions that a lot of people hold that necessarily there's not chapter and verse to back up that particular conviction. Right? So it becomes really a preference for them. But we gotta, we gotta understand, we can't push our preferences off on a culture. We can't push our preferences off on other people. We can, however, share with them biblically based principles and values and convictions we can go to the word of god and say this is what god's word has to say about this particular issue that we're dealing with are you tracking with me there spend an entire sermon speaking on that the third thing that we've got to do not only our identity in christ not only our values our convictions are biblical but thirdly we must put on the spiritual armor every single day We've got to do this methodically. We must do this intentionally. We must get up every single day and put on our battle armor, if you will. Remember, we brought the modern-day Daniel out here, and we dressed him all up. And Brother John helped me in that sermon, and we put all the battle gear on, on him, and we gave the spiritual significance on each one. Guys, we must dress ourselves for the battle because, newsflash, we are in a spiritual warfare. Right, And if you don't have the battle gear on, I promise you, you're going to be wounded. You're going to be on the sidelines. You're going to be taken out because, listen, you are no match, neither am I, a match for the devil by ourselves. But with Christ we are, and we must put on the battle gear that he supplied for us, okay? That's very important. Then the fourth step, I think, is, um, I think it's big. It, it may look like the least one on there, but I think it, the ramifications of it, I believe, are huge. Our identity is in Christ. Our values are biblically based. We have on the armor of God. Now what? Now we must be intentional. And we must step out and engage in the conversations of the day. So as you find yourself in different circumstances, maybe on the job, maybe in the community, maybe something rises up and you need to go back and you say, you know what, that's contrary to the Word of God. Instead of calling the church office and saying, hey, pastor, you need to do something about this. If you become aware of it, what happens is you need to do something about it, right? So you need to step out. And we find that's what Daniel did. If you remember, we're unpacking a little bit of the book of Daniel, and we found out that he was concerned about what the king was doing and why the king was so upset and why the king was going to have all the wise men killed and, and, and everyone killed in his camp, so to speak. And Daniel's head was on the chopping block. Daniel stepped out. He said, hey, what's the king so upset about? So he started engaging in the conversation. Guys, here's the point. We can't sit, sit back with our head in the sand and hope all this evil goes away because it won't. We must engage We must engage. Now listen, I realize there's a lot of different political views, and I'm not talking about getting in a political camp. I'm talking about getting in a biblical camp and stepping forth and saying, this is what God's Word has to say about this. I don't care if you're Republican. I don't care if you're Democrat. I don't care if you're Independent. It really doesn't matter. What really does matter is what does God's Word have to say about that. And then you step forth as a believer 
as a Christian and you start engaging in the conversations of the day. Now, listen, you don't step forth. And I really unpack this in that whole message. But you don't step forth with arrogance. You don't step forth with a holier than thou attitude. You don't step forth with a very condescending spirit or verbiage. Are you guys with me? Listen, we've all seen Christians do that. And we wonder why Christians have a bad rap. It's because you are pathetic. Not you guys. They, they, (laughs) back up, they are pathetic in the way they present themselves. Right? We need to present ourselves in in an acceptable way. Listen, you can have the truth. But if you present the truth on a garbage lid, nobody's going to accept it. Right? I got that back in the day off the Cosby show. Think about it. I remember watching the Cosby show back years ago and, and uh, Bill Cosby was there and, and his daughter came in. He was talking about all these situations and, and she had this boyfriend that he did not like and he would not receive. And, and he was a good guy, but she presented him to the family the wrong way and it turned the whole family against the boyfriend. And he sat down with the daughter and said, listen, if you would have just presented him to the family a little bit different, then we would have received him. I thought it was a great analogy. I thought a lot of times we as Christians do that with the truth. We have the truth of the word of God, but our presentation's horrible. Are you with me? The way we go into a situation, we go in there holding our Bibles and thumping people over the head and trying to shove God's Word down people's throats. We, we, we're not going to win a culture like that. We're going to have to go in there intellectually, with reason, with convictions of God's Word, and go in there without being condescending, without being holier than thou, without being self-righteous, and just start having a conversation. Right? Everybody say, have a conversation. That's huge. Don't undermine how big or underestimate how large and how big that is. We need to start having some of these conversations. And then when you step out and you start having these conversations, this next point is huge as well. I want you to remember there's a big picture. I want you to see it. See the big picture. A lot of times we get tunnel vision. And a lot of times we look at a particular issue. And a lot of times that's all we can see are the circumstances of this particular day. Okay? We've got to be able to mentally step back and realize there's a larger, bigger picture. There's something a lot bigger than that particular issue that's taking place. Are you guys with me? That's what I want us to see here, okay? That's all the kind of introduction for the introduction that I gave you last week on seeing the big picture, okay? Here's what I want you to see. The king had this dream. And in this dream, he said, okay, I want the wise men of the day, I want you guys to come to me and tell me what the dream was and then give me the interpretation of it. If you remember, they came to the king and they said, king, there's no way we can do that. We can't tell you what the dream was. No man can tell you what the dream was. But Daniel came to him and said, what? But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and reveals the dreams. And he pointed him to the Lord. And Daniel was able to give him what this dream was and then the interpretation of it. Here's the thing. I believe what God was doing to this king was revealing to him who was really in control of the situation. You see, the king of that day thought he had full control of everything. Prior to having this dream, he thought he was in complete control of everything. He thought he was the man. And you know what? He really was the man for that day on the earth. 
I mean, there was no other kingdom larger than the kingdom of Babylon. Everyone bowed to him. Everyone paid homage to him. Everyone was fearful of him. Everyone reverenced him, the king Nebuchadnezzar. He really was the most powerful man on the known world or in the known world of that day. But God came and knocked on his door and just reminded him who was ultimately in control of everything, who had full authority. In other words, King Nebuchadnezzar came face to face with Yahweh. King Nebuchadnezzar, the ruler of the day, came face to face with God. King Nebuchadnezzar, the powerful kingdom ruler of that day, came face to face with the king of kings and the lord of lords. And what God was doing to the king was reminding him, hey, you think you're in control? I'm here to tell you your control is nothing more than an illusion. I am the one that is in control of all things. Now, here's the point. Whenever we step forward and we engage in these conversations in our culture today, the thing that we must realize is that there is a bigger picture unfolding in front of us and our God is the one who is in control of everything that is taking place. If you remember, God uses saved people and unsaved people. God uses Christ followers and those who are not following Christ. God uses everything and everybody to bring out and to bring out across His, His will. I remember in Job forty-one eleven, the Bible says this, who has given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. That's what God is saying. So here's three thoughts I want you to get whenever we think about seeing this big picture. So as we step forward to reclaim our culture, as we step forward as a culture warrior, I want us to step forward and see the big picture. And in seeing the big picture, there are three things that you need to realize. Number one, God is establishing His plans. You look in our culture today and you think, God must not be working at all. No, my friend, God is working. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms that our God never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's always working. You say, well, it sure doesn't look like God is working. No, God's will is being carried out. Now, I'm not saying it's God's will. Understand me. I'm not saying it's God's will that all these people are being killed. I'm just saying God is letting man carry out some of what his free will is, but God is ultimately in control of everything so that his will at the end of the, end of the day is carried out. And I'll show you what I mean by that in just a moment. But the first thing I want you to see is God is establishing his plan. So as we step forward, as we engage in the conversation, I want you to see the big picture. This is part of God establishing his plan. I'm reminded in Daniel chapter 2, in verse number 28, and I've already alluded to this passage, this is the passage of Scripture where Daniel tells the king, but there is a God in heaven. And that's something we need to understand. As we are stepping forward to engage in these conversations, we need to see the big picture. We need to realize that God is establishing His plans, that our God is the one who can reveal all of these things to us. He is the God in heaven, and He is the one who reveals all of these things. Listen to Proverbs 16 and verse number 9. This is a great passage of Scripture. It says that a man's mind plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. So in other words, man is always thinking about all these 
plans that he wants to process and do, but it's the Lord who is directing the steps. I don't know about you, but I find great comfort in that. And knowing that when I step forward and I engage in these conversations, that God is working to establish his plans. That's thought number one. Thought number two is this. I want you to get this one. God is building his kingdom. God is building his kingdom. You say, is he doing that right now? Yes, he is. I want you to look at this dream. This dream we find in Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 down through verse number 45. And here's the dream. King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream of this colossal image, this massive image. And in this image, he sees this head of gold at the top. At the, of course, is the head of this image. And Daniel tells the king Nebuchadnezzar, he says, King, that head of gold is you. You are the Babylonian Empire. And no doubt, the king Nebuchadnezzar probably felt pretty good about that analysis and what and that interpretation of the dream because gold is the most precious metal and he was that head of gold and he was at the top of of the food chain if you will he was at the top of the image no doubt he started feeling pretty good when daniel told him oh king you are that head of gold but the 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 interpretation of the dream goes further you remember when he tells tells the king but there will be a kingdom a lesser kingdom that will come and overtake your kingdom and destroy your kingdom now at this point the king's getting upset okay he's realizing that things are about to change in his world okay so we see secondly not only the head of gold but the chest and arms of silver now who are the chest and arms of silver if you go back and you study world history you'll see that that the babylonian empire was the head of gold but the chest and arms of silvers, silver were, were the Medes and the Persians. It's the Medo-Persian kingdom. And you can go back, and world history reveals this to us. They were the next kingdom, a lesser kingdom, to take over the Babylonian kingdom, but to be the superpower of the day. It was the Medes and the Persians, which were the chest and the arms of silver. And then we see the midsection, the stomach and the thighs of, of bronze, if you will. That's the Grecian Empire. So we go back and we see world history. We see there was the Babylonian Empire, the head of gold. And then there were the chest and arms of silver, which were the Medes and the Persians. And then there's the midsection of bronze, which we know through world history, it was the Grecian Empire. Now, I don't know about you, but I love studying some of that stuff. And, and I love to go and study the Grecian Empire. And you know who you discover in the Grecian Empire? Does anybody know? Alexander the Great. I mean, he was, he was furious. I mean, he kind of just with a, with a whim just kind of went through and overtook the Medes and the Persian in this world empire. So that's the, the stomach and the thighs of bronze. And then we get to the legs of iron. And this is the image that Nebuchadnezzar had. We get to the legs of iron. You know who that was? That was the Roman Empire. So you have all these different world empires coming in to supreme power and one falling and a lesser one taken over. And now we're in the Roman Empire, the legs of iron. And then we get down to the feet. And the feet in the image were feet of iron and clay mixed. And that is the revised Roman Empire that certainly came to pass. And then we get down to the ten toes. And these ten toes in the feet of this image are ten kings, okay? And these ten, ten kings, I believe, it's yet to be fulfilled, but I believe these ten kings are the new world order that's going to take place. 
There's going to be ten rulers of, of ten kingdoms that will come together and form the ten toes, which are the ten kings. Now, and we go a little further in eschatology, we know that out of those ten kings, there's one that rises up. And of course, at the end of the day, that one that rises up is the Antichrist himself. Okay, he's going to be the leader of the ten kings. But I, I don't want this to be a message about eschatology or the doctrine of last things. I want this to be a message so you can see how God is establishing his plan and he's building his kingdom. Because after you see the ten toes, Nebuchadnezzar then is very concerned and worried about this stone. This stone, if you remember, in Daniel chapter 2, and I read this to you all last week. In Daniel chapter 2, you remember there is a stone that is carved out of the mountain without hand. In other words, it's, it's not man-made. Okay? It's this stone that comes out of the mountain. And what does this stone do in the dream? It falls on the feet and crushes the toes. And then the statue itself falls. This great colossal image, it all falls. And all of this man-made stuff, if you will, becomes chaff and dust in the wind and is just blown away and completely annihilated by this stone that is carved out of this mountain without man's hand that destroys this image. Well, I also like what the Scripture says, that that stone sets up his kingdom forever. And friends, that stone is a picture of Christ. God's kingdom. So whenever we step out and engage in our culture in effort to reclaim it, and we start having some of these conversations, it's so very, very important that we get the big picture, that we see that God is at work. He is establishing His plan. And secondly, He is building His kingdom. Boy, I like this. Isaiah chapter 2, and I have the reference for you there. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2 and 3 says this. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it and many peoples shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. You see what is taking place here? God is letting this king know that his plans that he has for his kingdom will only go so far. That God is ultimately at work in building his kingdom. You see all of this, and I believe even today, history is culminating. It's culminating in the final day of the Lord where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, so the question is not, the question is not, will you bow your knee and will, will you allow your tongue to confess that he is King of kings and Lord of lords? That is not the question. The question is not, will you do that? The question is, when will you do that? Maybe I need to say that again. The question is not, will you bow and say that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords? The question is, when will you do that? Well, I hope you'll do that now. 
I hope you will confess him as King of kings and Lord of lords now, today, in this age of grace that we live in today, this age of the church age that we're in today, because for some folks, it will be way far too late for them to then confess, although they will confess. But then they will spend an eternity in the devil's hell because they did not trust him, Jesus, as their personal Lord and Savior. So that's what I want you to see, that God is building his kingdom. Third and final part, and I'm done. Matter of fact, the band, you can go ahead and make your way because I'm done after this point. It's going to be a short one. Number three is this. God wants you to be part of his kingdom, and he wants you to be part of his plan. God wants you to be part of his kingdom, and God wants you to be part of his plan. So when we step forth, and when we step out, and we engage in these conversations, we must see the big picture. God is establishing His plans. God is building His kingdom. And He wants you to be part of it. Well, I love the passage of Scripture in verse 46 through 49 of the book of Daniel. Verse number 48, after Daniel told the king all of this, verse 48 says, Then the king promoted Daniel. And gave him many generous gifts. And then Daniel remembered his prayer warriors. And he told the king about them. And the Bible tells us in verse number 49. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to manage the province of Babylon. Here's the point. At the end of the day, God had Daniel right where he wanted him. He moved him in. The world would have looked at that and thought, what is happening? God is not working. Oh, no, God was working. He allowed his people to go into captivity of a tyrant of a king that was not a believer. But while Daniel was there, he prayed. He stayed faithful to his God. And guys, you know what? Even in our day when it seems like our culture is turning far, far away from God, we need to remain faithful. Amen. We need to keep seeking God. We need to keep praying reaching out to him. And while Daniel was there, God chose to use him and bring him before the king to carry out his plan. At the end of the day, Daniel was promoted. Ruler over second in command. Over it all. Daniel remembered his prayer partners and the Bible says in the last verse, in verse number 49 there, that the king made them managers of the province of Babylon. They got a promotion to a very influential place in that culture. Let me ask you this. God has you where you are today for a reason. Wherever you are in this walk of life right now, God has you there for a reason. Now the question is, will you allow God to use you while you're there? Or will you let the influences of our world today intimidate you to where you just stay back in the shadows? You don't step forth and engage in conversations. You just say, I'm not sure I can do that. See, if we're going to reclaim our culture, it's going to take all of us collectively, together, stepping out and saying, God, remember last week I talked about our knees trembling? That's okay. We're a little nervous sometimes doing that. We step out and we say, God, my identity is in you. My convictions are biblical. I put on the armor of God. I've 
stepping out, engaging in this conversation, and trusting you to use me to carry out your will, to establish your plans, to build your kingdom. God, I'm here today, and I just want to say yes, I want to be used in you. So I wonder, where is it God has you today? Think about your job. Why does he have you in the position that you're in today? Is he able to use you? Or or are you using all of that position, power, authority that's been given to you, maybe on the job, for personal gain? And you're hiding behind other folks. Maybe non-believers, maybe believers, but you're like, you know what? I don't want to be the center of attention here. God has you where you are for a reason. He has you in that position for a reason. He had Daniel in that position for a reason. Daniel stepped out and he asked one, one question. Why is the king so upset? They told him. He said, go tell the king. I can tell him his dream and I can tell him the interpretation. Remember what he did? He went to his partners. He said, hey, boys, we've got to pray. We've got an issue here. We need God to show up. Remember they had their prayer session? Daniel asked God, what did he do? Went to bed, right? Went to sleep. God heard his prayer. God answered it. He stepped out, engaged in this conversation with the king. And then was promoted. Guys, here, here's the final point of this message. And there's a lot more that I could say after you step out. I believe there's some things we can unpack even in Daniel chapter 3. Because it, it gets hairy a little bit. The story probably doesn't go like you expect initially. And then there's, a, there's, a, there's an amazing turn of events that takes place. and it, it would take me months to finish out the book of Daniel. What an amazing book. Go read Daniel chapter 3. Even when God has you there using you, Sometimes, sometimes you got to walk through the fire. That's what we find with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3. But yet we find the king lifts up the door of the furnace. He sees four men there. Not Daniel's not there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The fourth looks like the Son of God. And they come out of the fire and their hair's not even singed. Their clothes are not burnt. They don't even smell like smoke. So I'm, I'm here today to tell you, if we'll step out and trust God, see the big picture, realize the Lord is at hand, He will use you and me to start reclaiming this culture. But in doing so, we may have to go through some difficult places on this journey. But we've got a promise, friends, in the Word of God. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And, and you look in Daniel chapter 3 and you see that promise even fulfilled before He even told it to us in the New Testament. He's there with them and brought them through. So the question is this. Will you allow God to use you where you are? Where you are. It starts in your own life. Then it starts, then it goes to your family. Then it goes on to your job. And in your neighborhood. And in your community. And all of us doing that together. I think that's the formula for engaging and reclaiming our culture. Christ. I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for our time together. And Lord, I pray if there's one here today that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that today they would give their heart and their life to you and they would commit their life to you and realize, Lord, that you love them, that you died for them, and that you were buried and you rose again. And if right now they would just simply repent of their sins and seek you and ask for forgiveness, your word teaches us that you will forgive them and they too can be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I ask you, God, for that one that needs to accept you as their Lord and their Savior today, then right now. They would open their heart to you. God, you would reveal yourself to them. They would become a child of God. Father, I pray especially today, though, for, for the believers that are here. It's time, Lord, for us to get off the sideline. God, we must engage in our culture. We must step forth. We must engage in the conversation of the day. But help us, God, to do that with grace and with mercy and with compassion and with your spirit and your leadership help us not to be arrogant help us God not to be condescending help us God not to be argumentative help us just to stand and with grace and with mercy and with love and compassion help us share the truth of your word with a culture that seems to completely forgotten you and your values and your principles Give us strength, Lord, to step forward. And then as we step forward, God, I pray you'd help us to see the big picture. Help us, God, to realize you're establishing your plans, you're building your kingdom, and you want to use us as you use Daniel. Our prayer is that you use us. So, God, I pray right now for the Victory Church congregation, God, that you would use us, that you would use every one of us, that you would use us to be your hands, to be your feet, to be your mouthpiece, to be the person, the follower of Jesus Christ that's going to engage in these conversations. God, I pray you use us. Father, right now, we just give our hearts and lives to you and we just ask you beginning right now, help us to make a decision to step out. Help us to make a decision to be used of you. Use us, Lord for your kingdom work because you are building your kingdom. This image, as the other kingdom have all come to pass, just as Daniel said they would, we know that that stone is going to be hewn out of that mountain and it's going to crush this next kingdom establish your kingdom forever. And God, I don't know how all that's going to unfold. I don't know the specifics of all of that. But God, I know you're in control. And I just want to follow you and be used of you. I pray that's our prayer. Use us, Lord, in our homes, in our community, on the jobs. Wherever it is, God, help us to have these conversations. Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, 
Thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, at Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.